Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Morning, guys. How are y'all? Excited! You were locked up for a few days, so you're ready to get out of the house, right? Hey, uh, thank you all so much. Uh, last week, I was out with the stuff, um, and it was good to watch online. And, uh, you know, what I learned was it's good to, to be a part of that online, but there's nothing like just being in here and, like, worshiping you guys. It is so awesome. Uh, I just want to thank all of the staff and everybody that took care of things. It's amazing. I can be gone and things don't burn down. That's awesome. Uh, so thank you all. Uh, in that note, um, Dallas and Shelly are back. Yeah. They uh, had a good sabbatical, and they're ready to get back uh, feet first back in there. So if you have kids over there, please just go over there when you pick up your kids and just thank them for all they do. Um, they, got, they got big shoes to fill over there. So we had to have several people kind of filling in for their two little spots there. And so uh, just thank them for being here today. And I just want to open up in prayer this morning. We're going to have a lot of scripture to read. We have a lot of things to go over. So buckle up and get ready. It's going to be a fun ride this morning. Um, And so I just need to pray. Father God, thank you for today. God, thank you for meeting us so powerfully this morning in our worship. God, I just pray that as we continue with this service, God, that uh, what, what we have to say, God, is from you. And God, every word I speak would be your word. God, that everything I say would be what you want me to say today. God, I pray that you'd open the hearts to hear, open the ears, open the ears to hear and the hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, uh, we're starting a new series today. It's called Three Things I Wish I'd Known Sooner. And these are three things that I, like Neil, wished I knew sooner. There's things in your life that you learn kind of after the fact, you're like, man, my life would have been so much better if I would have figured this out years ago, right? Or you hear something and you learn something like, this has made such an impact in my life. And, and so I was looking at my life and I, I was thinking about this series and saying, man, what are the really the three largest things that have changed my reality, like changed my life? Um, and so what are those things? Well, today I'm talking about money, so hopefully you don't get offended. I'm just kidding. Um, I am talking about money. And then I'm also talking about marriage uh, next week. You know, um, in our marriages, I had to learn the hard way that it's not about me. You know, and you're like, what? It's not about me. I thought marriage was about me, what I wanted. But when I came to that reality about marriage and said, man, um, when I realized that my marriage wasn't about me, it made all the difference in, in my relationships. And so I hope you come next week. And then the week after that, the Holy Spirit is not weird. Um, that's another lesson that I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> Um, and so we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that means and what that's done in my life. And so all these are kind of my perspective of what God's done in me. It's really just a testimony of what God's taught me. And today I'm talking a lot about tithing and how that has really shaped uh, mine and my Debbie's life, not just financially, but our whole life. And here's my backstory. This is just my testimony of that. And the whole message is pretty much just a testimony of what 
that has done in our life, how it's made a difference in our life, and, and how awesome it is to see what God does through our faithfulness and our giving. Um, it was, I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago, we were really bad financially. Like we were not living paycheck to paycheck. We were living uh, security finance loan to security finance loan. Okay. That's how we were living our lives. And, you know, we had gone through several classes about how to deal with our finances. We did crown financial. We were even teaching classes how to get out of debt while we were buried in debt and we were borrowing and doing things we knew we weren't supposed to be doing, but we didn't know how to get out of it. And then one day Debbie comes to me and goes, hey, I think we need to tithe. I'm like, <laughs> you're funny. We don't have any money to tithe. How are we going to tithe? Are we going to borrow money from security finance to pay a tithe? You know, how are we going to do this? Um, and, and so I was like, I finally gave in. I said, you know what? We don't have any money anyway. Let's just go ahead and start, start tithing. And, and since that part, we've been tithing ever since. And since that, I look back now and I say, man, how has God blessed us? Not just financially, but in our personal lives because of our faithfulness and giving. And, and God has done so many things through just that ability to say, okay, God, you're first. You're first in our finances. You're first in our lives. You're first in everything of who we are. Because think about this, money does what it encompasses every part of our life. Every corner of your life has to do with finances and money, right? And so when we give that over to God, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself in the message, when we give that over to God, you're inviting God into the whole part of your life. And so I want to talk to you about why we tithe, not why you should tithe, but why me and my wife tithe and why that's really made such a huge impact in our life. Because here's the thing, if you know a good thing and it's made a big impact in your life, you're going to go tell other people, right? If you're like, man, this product has really changed my life, right? You're going to go tell people about it. And so that's the same thing in our faith. There's things that God has taught us and things that God has told us that we just need to share because it's too good to hold back. And so um, here's, here's three reasons why uh, we tithe. And so we're going to kind of go through the list. But first, I want to talk about what is the tithe? What does it mean? And why do we even, some people do it. And so um, I want to give you this thought. We only know what we have been taught and we only believe what we have experienced. Because uh, I'm, I'm of the pathway of like, if you're a Christian, you're just going to give. That's, that's what you do, right? And, and, and if it, that's just, we don't do a lot of expectations. This is, I've been here for three years. This is the very first giving talk I've ever had. Because I'm just, I'm just like, well, if you're a believer, that's what you do. But if you haven't been taught, then how are you going to know? And if you haven't ever experienced God working through those things, then how are you going to conceive it? So if you haven't been taught it and you haven't experienced the goodness of God in it, then it's impossible for me to conceive it. And so I'm going to teach on it today. So why tithing makes a difference. Um, number one, I'm jumping way ahead. But number one, it, it shows lordship in our life. Why it's made such a big difference. It showed lordship in our finances. And so what is the tithe? What is the tithe? The tithe literally means 10% or 10th, okay? That's the literal, that's what tithe means. It means 10%. Now, the tithe predates the law of Moses. I'm going to give you some nerd knowledge here. It predates the law of Moses, and we actually see it mentioned in Scripture the very first time with a man named Abram. Abram becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. You know, if you were in kids' church, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. Let's just praise the Lord. All right? So that's who Abraham is, okay? That's why kids' ministry is so important, guys. This stuff sticks with you your whole life. Uh, and so we see this, 
this idea, this principle of the tithe with Abram in Genesis 14, you see this and, and he talks about how that he tithed to Melchizedek, which was a priest of, the, of God. And so in verse 17, it starts like this. After Abraham returned from his victory over Kedilamar and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and some wine. There's a whole lot in that too. Melchizedek blessed Abram with his blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So he gave him a portion of everything that he had. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. The backstory of this is uh, Lot and this, then Sodom and all these places were captured. Abram goes out, gets everything back. He comes back. And so this is what occurs afterwards. And so the king of Sodom saying, hey, just give my people back, but you can keep all the goods that you captured. And Abram's response was this. Abram replied, I solemnly swear to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a thread or a sandal thong from what belongs to you. And here's why. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. See, Abram was, was identifying with who everything came from. He's saying, look, God has given me all that I am. And if I take this from you, I'm, you may say that I, I made Abram rich. But Abram's saying, no, only the Lord gives what I truly need. Only the Lord gives what I am and who I am. See, the tenth, why did he give a tenth? A tenth is like a portion of the whole, right? And it's all, and, and in Scripture, it also, the, the number 10 represents testing. How many, uh, how, many, uh, how many commandments are there in the Bible? Ten, okay? How many plagues were there? Ten. And, and in each of those plagues, it said the Lord tested the heart of Pharaoh. The Lord tested the people. And then, and then the commandments, really, it's a test of are you going to follow God's ways or not? So 10 really represents the testing, and it also represents the whole. And so here's some things and the reasons why I tithe. So we understand what the tithe is. It's a tenth, right? Okay. Number one, it shows lordship in my life, and it's an act of worship. We see in Genesis, Jacob, he leaves Beersheba. He goes back to his brother. He's hoping he doesn't get killed by his brother because he was a conniving little snot when he was growing up. And so he's going back and he's praying that God would not destroy him. But meanwhile, and, and Jacob left Beersheba and traveled to Haran. And at sundown, he arrived, and this is when he's fleeing from his brother, at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth to the heavens and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're laying on belongs to me. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and the families of the earth we bless through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised to you. So God's telling Jacob here, I'm about to give you all these possessions, all these things, many sons, many daughters, many people, and I'm giving you this land. 
And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he, is, he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. So he called the place Bethel. The next morning, Jacob got up to the very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against. He set it upright as a pillar, a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it, and he named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. And then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and he will provide me with food and clothing, and I will return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. You get that? And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So tithing is a form of worship. It's, it's realizing where the source of our income is, where the source of all our things are. See, here's the biggest thing that tithing has done for us. It has taught us lordship, but it's also taught us to keep things in its proper order. When we tithe, it's the very first thing we do because it is the first fruits. Now, in the law of Moses, it talked about the tithe being the first fruits. Anytime you have an increase of your crops, anytime that you, you harvest your crops, you bring it to the temple and you tithe it. So it's the, it's the law of the first. It's the principle of the first. It's giving God first. And it has taught us truly what's important. When we give it first, it blesses the whole. It keeps God first. There's a scripture that says what? Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. And it has really taught us to reorientate our focus on what is important. See, it's not me first, it's God first. It's not me first, it's God first. That's, that's what tithing has really taught me and my wife. That's what giving has really taught me and my wife is that tithing is really about putting him first. And it also invites God into the whole of our finances. It acknowledges where it comes from. Sometimes we get this attitude like, well, I work hard. I, I, I deserve this or they don't pay me enough. Right? We all say that. <laughs> we probably all don't get paid enough. But we're, we're like, this is mine. I did it by my own hands. I got what I have and I worked hard for it. There's nothing wrong with being a little proud of, of, of your work and how you get things, but remember where it came from. Remember who gave you your talents? Who gave you the abilities? Who gave you that job? Who opened the door for that job? And I remember some of you were like, man, I pray for that door to open that job, and I'm praying God would shut it and kick me out sometime. But God still gave you that job. God gave you that place to serve. Everything comes from him, and we need to realize that and give lordship over our finances to that. So Psalm 24 says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, meaning everything is God's. There's a class that we used to teach called Crown Financial. And in that class, you had to do this property deed. So you had to list everything that you thought you owned, including children, spouse, your livelihood, all those things. You list those things out and then you would sign it and turn it over to God and, and say, God, this is yours. And that's a good practice to remember that, man, everything is yours, God. The earth we're in the earth, right? And so it's the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein are God's. And so we realize and we recognize where things come from, and it's helped us to realize that. And it also invites God into the whole of my life. Like I talked about earlier, money encompasses everything in every corner of my life. And when I surrender that, we are surrendering my whole life to God. It's, it's saying, it's giving God lordship over my life. It's stewardship. It's stewardship. Matthew 6, 24 says this, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. This is in red. This is Jesus's words. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved 
to money. See, when we started tithing, it started, it wasn't like overnight, but it started shifting our view of, of what, who God was and what our money was. Because look, I like nice things, okay? And there's nothing wrong with getting nice things. But the problem was, is those nice things were taking over my life. Like I would put in extra hours. I would try to make extra side gigs so I could buy things that I thought I needed. But guess what? Even though I was making more money and working more hours, I still didn't have the money to get the thing that I wanted because it was going away. It was disappearing. Something was eating it up. And that, that thing that was eating it up is really just greed in my life. I was serving another master. I wasn't serving God. And so by tithing, it, it has noticed our, our control change a little bit. It, it, it's control from what I think I need to what, I, that what God wants. It's really freed me from the need for things. So the question is, are you possessed by your possessions? Do you have do you have money or does money have you? That's the question. For a long time, money had us and we were serving it and we were working so hard and we were putting our money in, in buckets with holes in them and it just wasn't getting full because God wasn't first in our finances. And then the second thing it really taught us was it guards against greed in my life. Greed? You know, greed is the hardest thing for us to see in ourselves. It really is. If I asked anybody right now, if, I had, if you're greedy, raise your hand. Hey, there's some people like, hey, hey. But most of us are like, I'm not greedy. They're greedy. I see it in them. My wife, she's greedy. My husband, he's greedy. My neighbor, my aunt, yeah. You know, there's people, you can see greed in other people so easily, but in ourselves, it's so difficult to see. You know, we're not greedy. Hey, it snowed this week. You know what? Next year, it's going to snow and ice. I better buy a brand new Jeep so I can travel in that stuff and not be stuck, right? So we justify the things that we think we need, and really, it's just greed. And here's the best uh, definition of greed that I've ever heard, and it's stuck with me. It's this. It's, greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Greed is the assumption that everything is for me. All of it's for me. Not just my work, but everything. The whole world is my oyster, right? Like it's all for me. Greed is the assumption that it's for my consumption. Greed is the hardest thing to see in the mirror. And I think that's why Jesus preached so much on greed. He preached so much on possessions. He spoke more about greed and pride than any other sin because we don't see it in our lives. If we commit adultery, we know it. I mean, there's, there's nothing like, oh, I don't know if I committed adultery or not, right? If I stole something, we know it. If we commit any of these other sins, we know it. But if we're, if we're being greedy or if we're being prideful, those things we don't see immediately. Now, other people see them, but we don't. So we have to pay attention to that. Malachi uh, talks about our need for things and how to put God first. And this is really the quintessential verse for tithing. And I've heard this passage preached so many times, and I've heard it abused by pastors. And I'm like, you're just trying to guilt me into giving. And I get it. When anybody talks about giving, you're like, your, your pocketbook gets a little tighter, right? But I'm, I'm telling you this because it's made a huge difference in my life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up Malachi to you, maybe in a different way, and it's not in a way to guilt you or make you give, or we're not even gonna do a giving after this because I want you to know how it's made a big difference in my life and how it can make a difference in yours. And so Malachi is really getting on to the people of Israel. He's saying, are you gonna take God serious or not? All through the book of Malachi, talk, are you gonna talk about worship? He talked about worship. Are you gonna take worship serious? He talked about how we deal with one another. Are you really going to take that serious? And then he gets to our financial position with God. He says, are you really going to take this serious? And so he starts in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And I got this out of English Standard Version because it's a little more clear than the New Living. 
It says, for I, Lord, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He's saying, I have all this grace. I'm faithful for you guys, even though you're knuckleheads, I still have grace for you. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. Look, I gave you all these things to do and you haven't done them, but I still love you. I'm still there for you. And then he goes, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall I be returned? Will you rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have you robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And he goes this, he goes, bring the full tithe into this storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you the blessings until there's no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field. Oh no. Hopefully I didn't just erase that. There we go. Go back. About to freelance that, and y'all would have been in trouble. Uh, we'd never get out of here. He goes, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the fields that shall not bear, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be the land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. We're going to end right there. So Malachi is telling the people, look, when you bring in your tithe and your contributions, you're going to have food in the house. Some things are going to happen. You're going to have food in the house. He's going to rebuke the devourer, and the nations will call you blessed. That's what Malachi is trying to say. He's like, bring glory back to me. Bring glory back to me. Let me be first. And so this idea of tithing through Malachi does some things. I'm going to talk about the devourer. What is the devourer? Well, in Joel, the the prophet Joel really explains what the devourer is. It's locusts because this was an agrarian society. So they lived, they, they relied on their crops. They relied on if they had good crops or not, then they would survive. And if there was a bad crop or crop failure, guess what? It would be a famine and people would die and starve. And, and so Joel says, you haven't been listening to me and I'm going to send the devourer or these locusts. And then he goes, uh, he says, I'm going to send flying locusts and they're going to eat. And what they don't eat, the hopping locusts are going to eat. And what they don't eat, the crawling locusts are going to eat. So there's going to be nothing left. Everything's going to be wiped out. And so the devourer here is basically God withholding the devourer from eating the crops of you, right? The things that you have. We're not an agrarian society anymore. I mean, we do go to the marketplace, right? But we don't rely on that. What do we rely on? We rely on our jobs. We rely on our commerce. We're a very uh, capitalistic society. And so everything that we have has to do with money. We get money so we can buy things. And so the devourer really is greed, Think about this. What was, how did locusts act? They eat and they eat and they eat and they don't care about anything else. They're just there to get. The devourer in our life is often the greed that we have towards our things. We take and we take and we take and we never give back. And guess what? It starts to eat on us. It devours everything. It's like putting our, our, our money into a bucket with holes in it. It just flies out of your pocket. It just flies right out without even thinking about it. And, and God's saying, if you, if you give back to me, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. I'm going I'm to do some things to keep you from sucking all your money away. You know, it, this, in the practical, you know, God, I believe that God really stops things from happening more than he saves us. A few years ago, we remodeled a house that God just miraculously given to us. And we remodeled it. And outside our parking lot, in our, our little driveway, I still find nails to this day. 
like huge nails because our, our driveway is kind of that color. And so I find rusty nails all the time. And I'm like, God, how do I not get my tire? I drive in this spot all the time. And so maybe it's just God keeping us from getting a flat tire. And many of us are just one flat tire away from bankruptcy. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, if I get a flat tire, I, gotta, I can't pay bills. We're not going to eat. You know, sorry, kids, no ramen this week. Because it's, it's like we live so, so close to the edge of what we have. And so when we started tithing, it taught us to not live so much on the edge. It's like, okay, God, we're going to put you first. We're going to trust you with everything. And so it has taught us to not live in that idea that it's all for me. It's, it's, all, it's all greed. It's okay to not have things. You know, it's okay to, to not, I still want things, but it's okay to not live my life to try and get those things. So it really rebukes the devourer in our lives. Tithing not only plugs the hole, it grows our pocket. What do I mean by that? See, when you, when you give, when, you, when you're generous, when you make contributions, you are actually plugging the holes in your pockets because you're putting God first. But it also allows us to expand. Remember the message I preached a few weeks ago about being faithful with what God has given to you? Well, if you're faithful with what God's given to you, he's going to give you more. And we don't give to get more. That's not the idea. We give to give God lordship. And so tithing also builds in us this, this, this generosity that just keeps continuing to grow. I love Proverbs 11. It says this, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. This proverb saying is like, man, when we give, we get to give even more. See, because we've learned and me and Debbie have learned that, you know, it's not all what we can get on this earth. It's what we can give to other people and give to the kingdom. And because of that, I truly believe that God has given us greater ability to be generous. Not with, he hasn't like dumped tons of money in our bank account to where we can give it away, but he has taught us that we can live without certain things and it's okay. Like we don't have to have a $500,000 house. You know, we don't have to have a brand new car sitting in the parking lot because we're, we're content with what God has given to us. And we recognize that lordship over that. And so we're able to live in a way that we can give more because our priorities have shifted because of that. And just a side note, you know, Scripture says that the Lord is the one who gives promotion. And, and I tie this to, to when we started giving and started tithing and started being more generous. Since then, we have had uh, increase in our position and increase in where we are. Look, to be honest, I'm not qualified to be up here. To be honest, Debbie's probably not qualified for the job she has, but God has blessed us. And I believe that promotion comes from the Lord. It says that. And God rewards faithfulness. If you're faithful, he's going to promote you. But we don't give to get. We give to give, okay? Proverbs 21 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Man, it's fun to give. It's fun to give. It's, 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 it hurts sometimes, but it's fun to give. It's fun to, to be able to bless other people and to show them their worth and their value. You know, it's sad on Sunday morning. Like people work in restaurants hate Sundays because usually it's not the unsaved people that are mean. It's the saved people that, that come from church. They go to church and they get there. They're dropping because it's taking too long. They're upset because there's not enough wait staff. Their orders are wrong. And so they give these poor wait staff a hard time. And then to top it off, they barely tip them. Come on, we're better than that. People should be like, oh, it's Sunday. I get to work on Sunday because all the church people are coming. 
Because, man, they, they love me. They pour into me. They pray for me. They give me awesome tips. You know, that should be a physical job or not. Because you know what? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know. They may be the only person there today. You know, give people some grace. We've gotten a lot of grace. You should, you should get that receipt. And when it says, you know, 15, 20%, you should add some more to that and say, man, I'm going to bless this person. I'm just going to tip them. I'm not going to, to ensure proper service to make sure that it's good. I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to show them that God loves them through what I've been given. Because our money is a tool. And when you see it as a tool, you use it as such. It's not a possession to have. It's a tool to use. And so the more, <laughs> the more I get, the more I get to give. That's our attitude. So let's shine when we go out in the, in the workplace. Let's shine when we go to restaurants. When you leave here today and you go eat somewhere, man, bless them, people. Bless them. Don't curse them. Make their job a little better today. And here's the thing. I've never outgiven God. And you know what? There's never a dime that I gave away that I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have gave that away. But there's lots of things in my closet. There's lots of things in my house. I look at that, and I'm like, why on earth did I buy that? <laughs> You're with me, right? Let's all have a garage sale. We'll sell it, right? <laughs> and we'll give it away. <laughs> but it's like, why did I buy that? I thought I wanted it at the time. It looked good, you know, but why do I have this closet full of stuff or this garage full of stuff I never use? But I've never given away a dime that I didn't, that I regretted. And the last reason I tithe, and this is the biggest, because it helps people. Why do we give? Because it helps people. Um, it helps people within our church. And Malachi says, bring the tithe in so that there will be food in my house. Well, what's the food? Right now we're having food. Right now we're eating a meal. You know, it's, it's, it's the worship that we get to engage in. It's the lights being on. It's the sound system. It's kids' pastors that we can pay for. It's, it's children that we can serve. What's the food in the house? It's provision. It's provision. It's the word of God. It's the community that we get to serve in and be in. That is, that is the, the food and the house. We set a table here every Sunday. And every time we gather, we set a table. And we say, come be in the presence of God and be in the presence of God's people. And, and it takes finances to do that. It takes people putting in their hard-earned money to make things happen like that. And here's the thing, when I first started coming here, when me and Debbie first started coming, we didn't give it all. It didn't even cross my mind. It wasn't even on my radar. But somehow things were happening, right? <laughs> like, somehow the lights were on and there was always service on Sunday morning. Because here's the thing, I was eating a meal that somebody else paid for. Somebody in the past paid my way forward. They paid for my meal. They picked up the tab. Because of their generosity, I was able to come and hear about this Jesus. I was, I was able to come and be in the presence of God's people. I was able to come, and it was in a worship service where I gave my life to Christ. It wasn't, any, it wasn't the preacher preaching. It wasn't anything else, but it was God himself speaking to me through a song. And that's what we do here. We set the table for God's presence to be felt and known. That's why we pay it forward. I was a recipient of somebody else's faithfulness, and now we get to be a part of that. We get to. We don't have to. We get to be a part of it. When people give their life to Christ and they get baptized, and if you've given anything, you've been a part of that. If you serve in this church anywhere, you've been a part of that. You set the table for that to happen. Somebody else paid my way. 
And here's the thing. It's not like they saw us coming and said, okay, guys, we got to get together and we needed $250,000. So this couple will be saved and discipled and raised up. And one day he'll be a pastor. And, and we don't put a price tag on people and say, okay, we got to raise this money. What happened was people gave faithfully throughout the year and it allowed us to grow. And can you imagine, church, if we did this? Hey, guys, we got a need this week. We just need to collect money. We can't, we can't leave here until we get this. Hey, we need new speakers, so we need this amount of money. Or we need this. You know, here's all the bills. Are we going to get it this week? No, it's because of the faithfulness of people giving on a regular basis that we're able to do the things that we do. We're setting the table. And this idea comes from Colossians 16, 1 Colossians 16, you see Paul talking about this collection for the Jews in Jerusalem because there was a great famine at the time and they were collecting money to help with the church there. And he goes, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So you pre-decide what to give before we get there. Don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. So Paul was giving uh, this, this uh, instruction to the church. Look, we're coming because there's a great famine in Jerusalem. These people need food. We need to help out our brothers and sisters. And so if you just, if you just do a little bit at a time, when we come, there'll be enough for everybody. And so they're collecting for the needs of the people. So our giving not only helps people within the church, like spiritual food, but it gives physical food, physical food. It was feeding these people in Jerusalem. And, your, and, and the giving that we've been able to do has not just impacted your lives, but also people outside of the church. We're able to give to organizations like Center of Hope. And, and they, can, they can do things that we're not great at. They're all stars at what they do. We also give to Grace House every month. Grace House is a great organization. Because if we're going to believe and, and, and you know, pro-life, if we're pro-life, we've got to support it. Right? If we're going to say that, that every life matters, then we're going to give the parents the means in which they can raise their children. We're going to ease the options, and that's what, that's what they do. That's what Grace House does. It, it gives parents the hope to be a parent, that they feel like they don't have to have an abortion, that they don't have to keep it you know, away or, or give it away, that they, they're strengthened and said, you know what, I can do this. I can be a parent. And the great thing about Grace House, I'm not just going to harp on them how great they are, but they are pretty good. They also teach men how to be men, how to be a father. You know, there's, there's a huge issue in our, in our country right now. We're fatherless. We don't know how to be dads. We don't know how to be fathers. We got to learn to be dads and fathers. That's what Grace House does. We also, every week, we send, we went up 24 bags. Now we send 24 bags of food to, great, to Bill Wright Elementary over there. Bill Wright is the second lowest economical uh, school in our district. Number one is once again. So it's once again and Bill Wright. And we're right down the road, so why shouldn't we help them? And so if we're not reaching out or we're feeding those kids, something physical. And it's not like we're sending steak dinners, but we're sending, we're sending food for them over the weekend and enough for them to eat and, and to have food and not be worried about it. You know, and it's because of our just nat natural giving. We don't, we don't ask for money all the time for this. It just comes out of our tithes and offerings. So it not only helps in the house, but it helps outside the house. And so here's the other question. Well, how do I tithe? How do I tithe? How do we tithe? Well, a lot of it's fear and trembling. It's like, I don't know if we had a nut. But Paul gives us very specific instructions on how to be a giver. It says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 9. Remember this. 
A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. So the first thing is you decide. How much should I give? Is it 10? We did 10% because that's what we feel like we needed to do. We felt like the tithe, we needed to do the tithe. For some of you, it's like, I just need to put this back. Maybe I can get 20 bucks a week. Maybe I can do 10 bucks a week. I don't know. That's for you to know. That's between you and God. That's, because, that's between you and God. So decide how much you want to give. And then don't be reluctantly, don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. Don't be like, oh man, pastor preach on tithing this week, I better tithe. Don't give, don't give under pressure. Don't give because somebody tells you to. Tell you, do it because God has asked you to do it. Really ask God, say, okay, God, if I'm going to give, what should I give? How much should you give? So don't do it reluctantly in response to pressure, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion. And he says this, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The word there, cheerfully, actually means hilarious. Like he gives, a person who gives hilariously. Like they're so full of joy to give. It's a joy to give. It's like, oh my gosh, I get to give this to help people. Do it with joy. And then he says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And then get this, plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures share, say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So we don't give because my pastor told me to. I don't give because I feel like I need to, like I'm pressured or I'm going to feel guilty. And we don't do it for, we don't do it to satisfy a religious unction in ourselves because God gets on to people a lot who tithe, but they do it for the wrong reasons. We need to do it out of a joyful heart. We need to pre-decide how much to give. I give out of thankfulness and joy. Out of what, how are we joyful about this? Well, John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His one and only son. He gave his one and only son. Remember, if you look at scripture, here's what I love about scripture. When you look at it through the lens of Jesus, everything in the Old Testament law, everything that was done is a reflection of Christ. Christ is what, as, as Paul writes, is the, is the first fruits of God. He is the first. God gave us the first. So in a way, Jesus was the tithe. In a way, Jesus was that first fruit. And because God gave us Jesus, the first, the whole was blessed. Me, you, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. Because Jesus took our place, that made us the way. So when I give, for, when I give of myself for the benefits of others, what I'm actually doing is imita imitating and emulating our Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, I get to give. I don't have to give. You know, I'm not going to call you up and, and look at things like, man, you haven't given, what's going on? It's a joy. It's, it's something that we get to do as believers. I get to pay it forward for those that have paid for me. That's why we give. That's why we tithe. And like I said, you know, tithing wasn't on our radar ever. But it was that day that Debbie's had the courage to say, hey, we need to start giving to the church because, I mean, think about all the church has done for us. It's okay, let's do it. Let's honor God. It was terrifying. It was scary. It was rough. You know, there, there was, there was, we had to give up some things. But I'm telling you, looking back, that one thing, if I could tell myself back then, my 30-something-year-old my self back then, what a difference it would make in our lives and the lives of others, I would have told myself sooner. 
That's why we tell our kids, we always harp on them. Are you giving? Are you tithing? It's like, why? This is why. Because it's important. It teaches us that God, it's all from God, it's all for God. It's a joy to give. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to be generous. God, that we realize that everything we have is from you. Everything we have is for you. God, that everything that you give us, God, from our children to our spouses, to our jobs, to our finances, God, it's all for you. It's all by you. It's all a tool to be used to, to, to uh, just expand your kingdom. Father, I pray that today that uh, people would understand that, that people would just uh, understand that it's all from you and to have a little faith, God, to realize that you give what we need. God, there's people in here today that are financially really rough. God, that they're financially, they don't know where their mixed meal is going to come from. But God, remind them that everything comes from you and that you take care of us, that you're faithful. God, there's times when me and Debbie, we didn't know where we are going to be able to pay the bills, where that money is going to come from. But God, you always were faithful. And Lord, I pray that you would show these people your faithfulness today. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.